Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Hallelujah. So open your Bible. We're in John chapter 7. And we've been uh, talking about Jesus and and we've been going through the gospel of John. And in John chapter 7, what we really see is a separation uh, because of the gospel. You know what? There's a separation sometimes because of what we believe, because of the gospel, because of the word of God. And there was a separation in John chapter 6. Jesus preached this message, and he had started with over 5,000 people, and by the end of the day, he had his 12 disciples. And he said, basically, guys, the door is open. You can leave. And and they said, Lord, where will we go? For only you have the words of life. Praise God. And so they stayed connected with Jesus. And you know what? We need to keep, we need to stay connected with Jesus, no matter what it costs us. Sometimes it costs you something to be connected to Jesus. And We'll see that in some scriptures today as we go through this lesson. But in verse 5, notice this. It says, neither did his brethren believe in him. This is talking about the physical half-brothers of Jesus. And they did not always believe in Jesus. And Jesus had at least four half-brothers. Matthew 13, verse 55 says, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. So he had at least four half-brothers. And they did, at at the beginning of his ministry, they did not believe on him. But then in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after Jesus ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection, after speaking to them for 40 days and 40 nights, he ascended into heaven. And his brothers were in the upper room with Mary, their mother, praise God. And praise God, uh, they, they weren't believers, but they became believers. So maybe you have some in your family that have not believed, but that's not the end of the story. Praise God. You need to keep believing the gospel. You know, the Lord, the Bible says this in Acts 16, I think it's verse 31. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in your house. Praise God. We like to have household salvation. We think it's wonderful when whole houses come to Jesus. But at the same point in time, we're going to believe on Jesus whether or not our family comes or not. Praise God. We're going to keep believing Jesus. So let's go into this and begin reading in verse 1. We'll read through verse 13. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. You know what? Religious people wanted to kill Jesus. They weren't excited about him. They weren't excited about his message. Um, Jesus' crowds were growing. Their crowds were shrinking. Uh, They wanted to kill him. You know, religious people, sometimes they get mad, but you got to keep going, doing what the Lord told you to do. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand, and his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you do. For there is no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to to the world. For neither did his brothers believe in him. They were really taunting Jesus. They were saying, go, if this is who you are, if you are who you say you are, then you go and you show these works to these people at this Feast of Tabernacles. It was one of the largest Jewish uh, holy days of all the years, of all the year. And and, uh, they were taunting him to get him to go there. And Jesus said unto them, In verse 6, my time has not yet come. Your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. 
You know what? There are people in the world that hate Jesus. There are religious people that hate Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes they hate you. But he says it's because Jesus testified, Jesus told the truth, that their works were evil. You can read about it in John chapter 3. He talked to them and he said they don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And they don't want to see that their deeds are not wrought in God. They weren't birthed in God. They weren't born in God. And, and so it says in verse 9, when he said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. It says He told them, go up to the feast. I, I don't go up yet for my time has not yet fully come. And when his brothers were gone up, then he went up also to the feast, not openly, but as in secret. So Jesus went, but he wasn't revealing himself to the people. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring because of the people concerning him. For some said he is a good man. Others said no, but he deceives the people. You see, there was a separation because some people believed and some people didn't believe. And sometimes there's separation that we see today because some of us believe and other people don't believe. But that doesn't change the gospel. It doesn't change who Jesus is. However, in verse 13, no man spoke openly of him because of fear of the Jews. You know, if you start doing things because you fear man, man that's going to get you in trouble. You know, the Bible actually says this in Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a trap. But he who puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Praise God, I'm going to keep my trust in Jesus. I'm going to keep my confidence in Jesus. I'm going to keep being obedient to Jesus. You know what? People didn't get me where I'm at. Jesus brought me where I'm at. Praise God. And Jesus is the one that brought me here. Jesus is the one that's going to keep me here. Praise God, I'm going to put my confidence totally and solely in Jesus. I'm not going to trust in man. I'm not going to trust in the plans and the programs of man. I'm not going to trust in the ideas of man. I'm going to trust in the plans and the programs of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm going to trust in following God and doing what he says. And so there was a separation because of Jesus. Some believed him. Others rejected him. Some people said he's a good man. Others, others said he's a deceiver. Now, as we go on in verse 14 to verse 24, we see the difference between the law and the gospel. And legalism actually divides. Legalism separates. Legalism causes dissension. But the gospel causes healing. The gospel brings life. The gospel brings righteousness. The gospel brings peace. Praise God. Freedom. All those things come from the gospel. Let's look at this in verse 14. Now, the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know the letters, having never learned? That is not altogether true because you know when he was a child, when he was only, you know, 12 years old, his parents uh, went to this one feast and they actually lost him there. <laughs> Jesus, when they went and found him, he was in the temple and he was asking questions of the leaders and answering questions for them. But I believe Jesus studied the scriptures from a young child. And Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. If any man does his will, he will know the doctrine, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. Basically, the law makes you selfish and self-seeking. 
And you know, there's four deaths, and I'll show you this in the scripture, but there are four deaths that every believer needs to have. And number one, you need to die to sin. But you not only need to die to sin, you need to die to the law, you need to die to yourself, and you need to die to the world. And there are some people that have done a pretty good job curbing sin, but they haven't really died to the law. They haven't died to their self. And you know what? You not only need to die to sin, but you need to die to the law and die to yourself. Dying to the law and dying to yourself, they're, uh, they're pretty uh, connected to each other. And also, you need to die to the world. Praise God. So you not only need to die to sin, but you need to die to self, the law, and the world. Praise God. And so... Jesus is here and he says, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory, but he that seeks the glory of him that sent him, the same is true and no unrighteousness in him is in him. Did not Moses give you the law and let, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you go about to kill me? Now in verse one, it says the Jews sought to kill him. In verse 25, then said some of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? So it was openly known among the religious leaders that they wanted to kill Jesus. And Jesus said, why are you going about to kill me? And the people answered and said, you have a devil who go, goes about to kill you. You know, the Bible says that all men are liars. I've had tell people tell me one thing and they're absolutely lying through their teeth and I know it. And you know what? This is exactly, they knew that the people were out to kill him, and yet they were saying, what are you saying they're out to kill you? Nobody's out to kill you. But it was openly known that they were going about to kill him. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it of Moses, but of the fathers. And you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses would not be broken. Are you angry at me because I've made a man every bit whole on the Sabbath day? In other words, you know what? The law demanded that a, a male child would be circumcised the eighth day. So if that happened today be the right day of the week that they were born, then they had to be circumcised on the Sabbath. And so Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath in John chapter 5, and they were angry because Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus said, you will circumcise a man on the Sabbath so that you don't break Moses' law. But they were actually, in another way, breaking the law of the Sabbath by circumcising somebody on the Sabbath. It's like the law's you know, contradicted one another. So they went with the higher law that said that the, a, a, a man child had to be circumcised on the eighth day. But Jesus said, you guys will essentially break your own law to circumcise somebody on the Sabbath. And yet it's wrong for me to heal on the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 13, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and she came to Jesus and Jesus spoke the word over her and then he laid hands on her and healed her. And the religious multitude got mad because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And so Jesus talked to them. And he said, listen, you guys, don't you take your ox and your donkey and go water them? Don't you take your, you know what? Your cow and your donkey and you go water them on the Sabbath day? And shouldn't this woman who's a daughter of Abraham come and be healed on the Sabbath day? She suffered for 18 years. That's long enough. I don't want her to be sick for one more day. 
Praise God. You know what? That's what the gospel brings. The gospel brings healing. The gospel brings life. The gospel brings freedom. The gospel brings righteousness. But legalism just causes division, withdrawal, separation, all these things. I'll show you this in just a minute. And so he says, you're mad because I healed somebody on the Sabbath. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. In other words, Jesus said, you're judging everything out of your head and not out of the Spirit. And you've got to learn how to judge things by the Spirit and not by your head. And you know, there are some people, they judge everything by their head and not by the Spirit. You have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, praise God. And, and that still small voice needs to be the voice that guides you, praise God. And so there's a difference between the law and grace. There's a difference between legalism, right, the law and the gospel. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul's talking about this. And in Galatians, what Paul, the, the overall message of Galatians is since you were saved by grace, you don't need to add circumcision or law keeping to be saved, right? But in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Paul addresses some things and he says in verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. He said they were being hypocrites. Peter was eating with the Gentiles before certain Jews came, but when these certain Jews came, he withdrew himself. See, legalism causes withdrawal. Look at that. Withdrawal, and he separated himself, and separation because he feared those who were of the circumcision. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know what? We need to fear God and not man. We need to put God first. And he says, the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. You see, if one person gets carried away with this, it'll, it'll add others. Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation or their division. You see, legalism causes its hypocrisy, withdrawal, separation, fear of man, and division are all the results of legalism. And so in verse 14, he says, When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you being a Jew live after the manner of Gentiles and not the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Why are you going back to the law? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You couldn't get justified by the works of the law before Jesus came, and you can't be justified by the law since Jesus came. You couldn't be justified by the works of the law before you got saved, and you can't be justified by the works of the law since you got saved. It's not your works that saved you. It's His grace. Praise God. It's either His grace or your works, but it's not His grace and your works. And it's not your works and His grace. It's His grace that saved you, period. And he says, he says, by the faith of Jesus, even we who believe, he says, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus, even as we believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we put our faith in Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Now, what he's actually saying, if you go back to the law, the law is the strength of sin, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. 
So if you go back to the law to be tr try to be justified after you put your faith in Christ, it will actually make sin stronger in your life. He says, for if I build again the things which I destroyed. In other words, he said, when I trusted in Christ, I, I left, I destroyed law-keeping for salvation. Law-keeping could not save you before Jesus, and law-keeping can't save, save you since Jesus. He says, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, when you go to the law to be trust, try to be justified by the law, the law will make sin stronger in your life. It will make you a better sinner, and it will not produce righteousness. And he says in verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live to God. In other words, he said, I died to the law that I might live to God. The law actually, what it did, the law was our schoolmaster, it says in Galatians chapter 3, to bring us to Christ. The law showed us that there was absolutely no way that we could be saved apart from just simple faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you go back to the law to try to be justified, it's not going to work. He says, but I've been crucified with Christ. And like I said, there are four deaths that need to take place. You need to die to sin, the law, self, and the world. Praise God, the world, according to Galatians 6, verse 14. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. Praise God. In other words, I'm not going back to the law. I'm not trusting the law. I'm not trusting my performance. I am completely and totally trusting Jesus. Jesus saves, period. Not Jesus plus law keeping. Not Jesus plus circumcision. Not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing. That equals everything. That's the gospel. Amen? And so what Jesus is really talking about here in John chapter 7 is the law and legalism. And how they had the law and legalism and they would do things. And he said, you would circumcise on the Sabbath day, but you're mad at me for healing somebody on the Sabbath day? You guys are crazy. And so it's not the law and the gospel. It's not grace and the law. It's not grace and your performance. It's Jesus. It's the grace of God, period, that saves you. And it's the grace of God that keeps you. Now, in verse 25, Jesus goes on, and as he begins to teach, what he, what he really does is he secures the faith of those who've believed. But not only does he secure the faith of those who believe, he actually incites the anger of these religious people that are against him. So Jesus can preach a message at the same time, it's making some people strong while it's driving other people away. Praise God. And that's not because of him. It's because of their heart attitude towards Jesus. What is your heart attitude towards Jesus? That's what's really important. Verse 25, Then some of them of Jerusalem said, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. In other words, if they want to kill him, why don't they do it? Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man, where he is. But when Christ comes, no man knows where he is, where he came from. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me and know where I am, and, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true whom you know not. He said, The problem is you don't know God. 
You know what? You could know the law and not know God. And that, what's important is that you get to know God. But he says, I know him for I'm from him. And he sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, when Christ comes, will he do miracles, more miracles than these, which this man has done. In other words, one reason they believe Jesus is not only the words that he spoke, but the miracles that he did. His miracles testified of who he was. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while I'm with you, and then I go to him that sent me. You shall seek me and not find me, and where I am, there you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where is he going to go that we will not find him? Will he go to be dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he says, You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, there you cannot come. In the last day, that grace day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. It was one of the largest Jewish holidays, largest Jewish feast that they celebrated in the whole year. And Jesus is standing up, crying out. And he says, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What he's saying is those who believe receive. He said, but this spoke he of the Spirit, it says in verse 39, which they who believe on him should receive for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus was talking about the coming Holy Spirit. And he's saying, you that believe on me, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Now notice in verse 38 when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, He who believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is actually talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 4 verse 14, when Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, he said, He that drinks the water that I give him shall have in him a well of life springing up to everlasting life. And every born-again believer has the Spirit of Christ in them, and it brings life to you. Praise God. In fact, John talked about it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. He said, you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And what he's actually talking about in 1 John chapter 2, he's talking about dealing with the spirit of Antichrist. And did you know every born-again believer has the spirit of Christ in them? If they will listen to the spirit of Christ in them, the spirit of Christ will protect them from the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world. And when John's gospel was written about 90 A.D., the, the, uh, or 1 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John was written about 90 A.D., there was a strong spirit of Antichrist. And there is a strong spirit of Antichrist today. 
If you don't know it, we are in an all-out war, spiritually speaking, in America. We're in an all-out war in the world between truth and lies, between darkness and light, between righteousness and sin. And I believe the light's going to win. I believe the truth's going to win. Amen. I believe that righteousness is going to win. But we're not going to win by operating in man's power and man's strength. We're going to win, excuse me, by listening to the Holy Ghost. And in 1 John 2, John went on. He was talking about you have a spirit of life. You have a spirit of truth on the inside of you. You have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. He, he goes on in verse 27. He said, you do not need that any man teach you, but the Spirit of Christ in you will teach you. The anointing in you will teach you all things. <coughs> Kenneth E. Hagin, Papa Hagin, used to talk about this. Thank you so much. But he used to say, new believers have the Spirit of Christ in them, and they have like an automatic protection many times when people come teaching lies and teaching things that are wrong. But he said, what happens many times when people mature, instead of continuing to listen to their spirit, they start being led by their knowledge and by their head, and they start judging things out of their mind instead of judging them out of the Spirit, and they make major mistakes and they go wrong ways, go wrong directions, do the wrong things because they're judging not out of their spirit but out of their mind. And I'm telling you, that there is a danger of that happening. I know people, man, they think they know it all and they're not listening to the Holy Ghost. They're judging by their brain. They're judging by their head and not judging by the Spirit. And if you will listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will protect you Amen. From error will protect you. Amen. From a lot of uh, wrong direction, wrong things. I mean, the Holy Spirit, even in business, the Holy Spirit will protect you. The Holy Spirit will help you. But also in ministry things, if you will learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people don't listen. They think they're real spiritual, but they don't listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. But you need to keep listening to the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You need to keep listening to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will lead you right. The Spirit of God will not lead you wrong. I'll give you an example in the natural realm, in the business world. Years ago, while we were pastoring in Kit Carson, I had this feedlot. And I started cattle on the side and, and made money with cattle. But, but I had been doing business in Nebraska for a number of years and had this guy that was buying cattle and starting cattle. And we'd, then we'd get them started in Nebraska and move them over the line in north central Kansas, Jewel County, Kansas, Mankato, Kansas, and feed them over there. And I'm, I made a lot of money, did really good over there. But this one summer, uh, I wanted to buy these cattle and putting it on paper, I just could not see how it would lose. And the feedlot was already full, but this guy said, well, I'll start them and then we'll run them on grass and then we'll bring them in. And I wanted to do it. I showed Barbara on paper and she said, I tell you what, I just don't feel good about this. And so I showed her, like I asked her like two or three times, and I said, honey, this deal is too good to be true. This just can't lose. And she's just like, no. She said, I'm, I, you know, I don't think we should do it. So finally, I asked her the third time. And she said, listen, I'm going to go on record. She said, I'm going to let you do this, but I'm going to go on record as saying that I, I don't, 
I don't agree with it. I think we're making the wrong decision. So I bought about 200 cattle and I was partnering with the feedlot. We had 300 all together and we had 100, sem 100 cattle stolen. 100, 500 pound calves that we had already started. And you know what? It was so good, I only lost $15,000. It was a complete miracle that I only lost $15,000 on a deal like that. But we'd been doing business. This guy took those cattle, shipped them to Kansas where there's no brand loss, sold them, took the money, and went and sat on the beach in Mexico and drank tequila for two years. We never got our money back. When he came back to the United States, he went to prison. But I still lost $15,000. You know what? I wouldn't have had to suffer that loss. It's like Paul telling those people on that shit. You should have listened to me and not gained this harm and loss. Man, the Lord spoke some things to us recently and people questioned us. Why are you doing this? I'm saying, the Lord spoke to Barbara and she said, the only thing I can tell you, it's just exactly like when he spoke to me years ago. And the Lord knows what people are saying behind our back. The Lord knows different things that are going on and different things that are happening. And she said it was just exactly like that. And guess what? This was not about a, a business thing. This was about a ministry thing. I did what she said because I trust God. She asked me in first service and I was, I was up for 18 hours a long time yesterday and we were traveling most of the day and I was a little bit tired. But she asked me, have you learned anything in 38 years of marriage? And I'll tell you one thing that I have learned. I have learned, listen to your wife. Hallelujah. And I've learned to value the, the, the opinion of my wife. Praise God, she listens to the Holy Ghost a lot. Praise God. And she's better at listening than I. I'm always running around and busy and doing things. Andrew Womack says the only time the Holy Spirit can speak to me is at night when I'm in bed or when I'm on vacation because I'm so busy the rest of the time. And I'm trying to get less like that. But, but I have learned the value of listening to my wife, and I honor my wife. Praise God. And I honor, do you know what? I honor godly authority in my life. I honor Jesus. The highest voice in my life is the, is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. But the second highest is the voice of my wife. And you know what? I'm going to keep honoring that. Praise God. And it works out good when you listen to the Holy Ghost and keep on doing it for a long time. Amen? But anyway, Jesus was ministering here and those who believe receive. Amen? So you have an anointing on the inside of you. Every born again believer. And that anointing will protect you from lies. That anointing will protect you from the spirit of Antichrist. That anointing will keep you out of bad deals. Praise God, it'll help you in your family, in your business, in the ministry, whatever you're doing, the anointing, if you learn to listen to the Spirit of God. You know, my son Peter works at this, he's got this really difficult job, and he makes a lot of money and different things, but he told his, Barbara the other day told his mom, he said, listen, my job is really hard, and it's super complicated, and a lot of time I don't know what to do, but he said, this is what I do. I drive to work and I say, I have the mind of Christ. And I thought, you know what? He learned that lesson in seventh grade. He was in geometry and that was the highest math he could be in. He had already done algebra one. And he said, I'm really struggling with this. And so when I was taking him to school, I said, Peter, say this. Say, I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I have a good understanding and I have the mind of Christ. And I said, I want you to say that every morning and every night, every time in between when you think about it. 
And about a week, two weeks later, I asked him, I said, Peter, how are you doing in geometry? He said, oh, I got it. I'm the top of the class. He said, so I, he's in work now, and he, he's at the top, you know, in, in the, you know, finance realm. He's vice president of Burger King of the Americas. And you know what? He said, there's a lot of times I don't know what to do, but I say, I have the mind of Christ. He speaks the word of God. My son Andrew has this engineering job where he does oil field design. They've designed the, the second largest gas plant in the world. My son Andrew, did. the thing is like 100 miles long. It's up in North Dakota. And he has a whole crew of people that work for him. Andrew was over that entire job. But Andrew, years ago, was working for another company, and he had to go down by Amarillo, Texas, and there was a problem, and nobody could figure it out. And I said, Andrew, just pray in the Spirit, and the Lord will show you what's wrong. He took about 30 minutes and prayed in tongues, and nobody could figure this out. Nobody could tell him the answer, and he prayed in tongues about 30 minutes, and the Lord revealed to him what to do. Man, you got the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. The Spirit of Christ gives you wisdom. The Spirit of Christ gives you direction. The Spirit of Christ will lead you and guide you and direct you. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus also talks about the coming Holy Spirit. And he says this in verse 15 to verse 18. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. He said, I'm going to go, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. This word for comforter in the Greek is the word parakletos. It means helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, aid, assistant, one who pleads another's case that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world, you've got to be born again to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus talked in John chapter 4, verse 14, about the Holy Spirit being a well in you, he was talking about salvation. But in John 7, verse 38, when he talked about the Holy Spirit being a river flowing out of you, he was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says the world cannot receive him. You've got to be born again before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. How many of you are glad you're not orphaned? You're not on your own. You're not by yourself. Jesus has not left you. He sent you the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. You know, when Jesus began to share this, the disciples were upset but in, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 4, Paul said, if the princes of this world what, what, would have known what was going to happen when they crucified the Lord of glory, they never would have done it. Because before Jesus was crucified, you know what? They were dealing with one person full of the Holy Ghost. They were dealing with one person full of God. But after, after, the, after they crucified Jesus and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, they're, on the day of Pentecost, on the first day the church was born, they were deal, dealing with 3,120 people full of the Holy Spirit, full of God. Amen. And they were going in the direction that God told them to go. And you know what? We need to keep going. We need to keep doing what God told us to do. And so Jesus is here and he said, listen, those who believe on me, they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 40, many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. So many believed on him. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? See, they were trying to judge this in their natural mind. Has not the scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? 
So there was a division among the people because of him. There was a division of those who believed and those who did not believe. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Because there was such a division, if they would have taken him, there was a bunch of people for him in this case. There were those for him and those against him, so they didn't take him. I want to turn to John or Matthew chapter 10 and read very quickly. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 32, on down to verse 42. Whoever therefore will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whoever will deny me before men, I will deny before my Father which is in heaven. Do not think that I am come to send peace on earth. I did not come to send peace but a sword. In other words, Jesus said there's going to be division. That's what happened then. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes will be they of his own house. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and does not follow me is not worthy of me. It's not wrong to have friends. It's not wrong to have relationships. It's good to have relationships. But you got to know that Jesus always comes first. He says, he that finds his life will lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake will find it. He that receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever will give drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple Verily I say unto you, he will in no way lose his reward. So praise God, there's people who confess Jesus and people who deny Jesus. But once you confess Jesus, keep your confidence fully and totally in him. Praise God, and the Lord will reward you. Amen. Let's go back to John chapter 7. As we look at this, John chapter 7 in verse 45, then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? And the officer said, Never a man spoke like this man. And the answer the, then answered the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? See, they were angry because these people that had believed Jesus. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who know not the law are cursed. Now the problem wasn't that they knew the law. The problem was that they didn't know God and they didn't know Christ. See, if they really knew Christ, they would have known that he was born in Bethlehem. They would have known, right, that he lived in Nazareth. But they, they were just looking on the outward. They were just looking on what was easily known, easily understood. So they said, he's a Galilean. And the scriptures doesn't say anything about a prophet coming out of Galilee. So while they knew the law, they completely missed who Jesus is. And you know, there are people like that today that are legalistic and they're religious and they completely miss who Jesus is. And you know what? You need to get over legalism. You need to get over religion. And you need to get to know Jesus from the Spirit. And when you know Jesus from the Spirit, it'll totally change your life. 
Nicodemus said to them, he who came to Jesus by night being one of them. You remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night probably because Jesus was considered a radical. He says, does our law judge any man before it hears him and, what he, and know what he does? And they answered and said to him, are you also of Galilee? Are you one of those followers of Jesus? You know, he met with Jesus prior to this and so he believed they said, search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet, and every man went to his own house. You know what? It's your choice. Praise God. It's your choice. And just like in John chapter 7, there was a group of them who believed, and there were a group of them who didn't believe. But you know those who believed? It was a simple heart faith. You know what God is looking for is a simple heart faith. You know, the Bible says this in Psalm 119, 130. It says the entrance of the word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. And if you take a simple attitude towards the word of God and the things of God, you'll know who Jesus is. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. It says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And there are people that have a lot of natural knowledge. But you know what? It's more important for you to have a love relationship with God. It's more important for you to have a heart relationship with God. Amen? And so in John chapter 7, we just see this division, really. There's people who had a heart relationship with God. They believed on Him at a heart level, and it changed their life. And there's people who had, they had a lot of knowledge. They had a lot of religion, but it didn't bring them into a relationship with God. And there's a difference between having a lot of knowledge intellectually and having a heart relationship with God through Christ. And what God wants is your heart. Amen? And when you know Jesus from the heart, it'll change who you are. And by changing who you are, it'll change where you go and what you do. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.